What's up, guys, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct. I am your host, J-Mac, here with J.B. Jason, what's going on, man? Man, J-Mac, it's great to be in the studios. I'll be honest, uh, sometimes I forget that there's sports after football season, and man, what a week we're running into. It's, it's exciting to get on here and break it all down. Turns out I'm really pissed at myself for not plugging my own company, uh, this is Sensibly Loud Media, by the way, brought to you uh, or presented by Sensibly Loud Media. That's uh, my bad for not plugging our own company, but that's cool. Uh, yeah, wow. lots going on, man. I feel like, but last night was weird because, so we're recording this on, on Tuesday afternoon, and last night was super weird, Monday night, because there was like nothing on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you had the late night hockey game, which I guess is a big deal, but, you know, for a lot of Central or East Coast folks, you stayed up till 11, 11.30 to finish that game out, unless you're a St. Louis Blues or San Jose fan? Probably not. No, probably not at all. I just, I'm not doing that. And I'm, I, this Bruin series has barely kept my attention to begin with, just because it's been so boring. I think they've outscored Carolina like eight to two. <laughs> yeah. And, and those two goals, where those come in the, you know, third period of game two when Boston was up, you know, an unsurmountable lead and it was yeah. just kind of flew open. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you know, open net goals and all kinds of shit going on. So I'm not staying up on West coast time to watch these playoff games, especially when I know that I've got NBA playoffs coming up, uh, that I'm definitely going to be staying up for. They've been going on, but I haven't been staying. We were talking about this the other day. I haven't been staying up and watching this like Portland Denver series and all that. I just, uh, I'll look at the highlights tomorrow. I just don't care that much. I really don't. Neither of those teams are going to beat golden state. Yeah, and I mean, we're to a point where I feel like I just finished a marathon race. I don't know about you, you know, the opening rounds of NBA and NHL at the same time, and you got games once you get home from work till midnight, and now we're at the point where it's, you know, altering every other night, sometimes a couple nights between, and, and now we finished that race, and now we're just the two uh, conference finals on each sport. But, I mean, you've got so many little things mixed in there. You've got the PGA Championship this weekend. You've got like the NBA draft lottery tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, you've got so much going on that's kind of interweaving as well. I mean, I've got the two TV set up in the living room, and it's probably not going away anytime soon. I, I don't think so. I think you start that set up once March Madness hits. Uh, you know, you kind of get a break once NFL season ends, and unless you're, you know, a huge college basketball goer. But once the March Madness starts with that tournament, you get them going, and you pretty much keep that up for, through the rest of the year now. I mean, it's hard to take it down. You really do, man. I I really feel like you tried very hard to get me ready for the craziness that was going to be March Madness. Because I did. I was, you really did. And like coming off the Super Bowl and everything, I was kind of in just like a I can breathe type state for a little bit. Yep. Uh, and it was, especially now that we're looking at the possibility of the three-peat going on. Right? You know, I mean, I needed to be ready oh. for that mentally. And, you know, so nonetheless, I just I feel like even though you tried desperately to get me ready, I just wasn't ready. And it hit me like a freight train. And we have not stopped. I mean, I was looking at the site yesterday. We put out content every single day for the last month and change. And that's what happens with these playoffs start. You know, the, the tournament really gets you going, gets that stamina up for staying up late with all of these games. You roll right into this. And it's a fantastic period to be a fan. And after this wraps up, you have a little bit of a lull before training camp starts. And then we're, you know, into baseball playoffs. And 
in NFL. I mean, it's a great time. It's an underappreciated time in sports. It's easy to, you know, get away for a vacation, forget about it. But, man, we're peaking right now. This yeah. is this is a sports guy's dream. And we forgot to mention, we don't want the golf fans, you know, yelling at us. We got another major this weekend with Tiger going for two straight. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mentioned it already, but we're definitely going to dive into that. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to be back doing the show. It's been like a week and change. We've had a lot going on, but we're uh, we're going to be kind of at a consistent cadence going forward. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for everybody to jump on and ride with us. We've only had a few listeners so far because we've only handed it out to a, te- a select few to get some tests done and some, uh, you know, some feedback and everything. So we're going to be, I think, slow rolling all the way here all year round. I think I don't I really don't see us taking much time off other than just those few like dead weeks that we get like between the Super Bowl and stuff like that. But yeah, we're, we're going to keep it rolling for you guys. And uh, certainly, you know, I don't want to dive right into it, but you kind of foreshadowed a little bit. Boston Bruins up 2 nothing. I mean, is this, you know, obviously, as you guys know, J-Mac's a huge Boston fan. And the Bruins, you know, took it down to two game sevens, I believe, in these last two series. And to see them go up 2 nothing is huge for a team that may get some rest. You had all worried with this series shifting to Carolina that, you know, they're 5-0 and at home, I believe, in the playoffs so far. Any worry from the Boston faithful that uh, they could uh, spur a little magic? Not even a little bit because the Islanders stunk. I mean, that team stunk out loud. And, I mean, they couldn't score on this Carolina team. Boston put up six goals on them the other night. Six goals. That's not, true, sorry. but this Carolina team did take down last year's champions, the Washington Capitals. I think anytime you take out the the – previous champion it's hard to write them off they, they've got a little magic those fans are behind them i don't know j mac i'd be i'd be don't get too relaxed that's all i'm gonna say don't get too relaxed i'm just saying there's all kinds of chaos going on in the nhl playoffs this year there's you know all number one seeds got taken down except for wasn't it all number one seeds something like all, that all of them yeah, yeah and every wild card team advanced you yeah. saw all the division winners uh lose in the first round and I, I'm not a hockey expert, but I don't remember the last time that happened. In what sport, too? What sport did every wild? I've never seen NFL wild card. Win. I mean, I remember certainly some three and ones, but I can't remember off the top of my head where we saw all four division winners lose in the NFL opening weekend. I'm sure it's happened. Certainly write in and tweet us about it uh, so we can reference that. But I don't remember the last time that that did happen. I'm not even remotely concerned overall, though. I think. I honestly think there's a higher probability that Boston sweeps this series than there is that they were to like, at, like in other words, if, if Carolina were to catch up, basically, I think that there's a higher probability sure. that that lower probability that that happens versus them sweeping the series at this point. I mean, they look on point. Boston is by far the best team and it within all these sets of, of teams that are still in it at this point, all four teams, three teams, I guess. Yeah, the four teams that are left, it, you know, if you listen to us earlier, we, we were banging the Boston bandwagon. They certainly had a nice road after that opening round, and we kind of narrowed in on the the matchup that they would have in this conference finals between whether it would have been the Islanders or the Hurricanes, and neither team really posed a threat. So we've been all over Boston to get to the Cup. Um, you know, from there, they're going to have to face the Blues, or the Sharks, who tied up the series one-to-one last night. Now, uh, you know, I guess you could say home rink advantage shifts now to St. Louis, who's been kind of touch and go on their home ice. You've seen these teams kind of struggle sometimes uh, with with the pressure of playing at home. So we got one great series, I think. I think the San Jose Blues is going to go to seven games. 
I, I don't know who's going to win it, but you talk about two terrific teams and he, the Sharks almost seem like a team of destiny to me, J-Mac. You know, they had that comeback versus the Vegas Knights in the opening round, that third period where, where they had the electric penalty, five-minute major where they got back in it, took the lead. It was tied back up. They advanced. It seems like a team last year where Washington was a sort of that same role. It, it just made sense that they got every break, every puck went their way. And I think we're seeing that same thing. I, I'm going to say we're having a San Jose-Boston uh, Stanley Cup final. We're going to have long flights. We're yeah. going to have East Coast, West Coast. It's going to be a battle. The one time where it actually works out fine that we live in, in Central time. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it'd be great for the fans, and certainly San Jose, you got a guy out there, Joe Thornton's played many years there who hasn't gotten a cup. It'd be great to see some of these veterans who haven't had that opportunity uh, to get that with, with uh, this season opening up. For sure. Well, what do you think of the NBA playoffs so far? NBA, wow. I mean, we, we kind of narrowed this in on the previous episodes as well where we've done predictions, and I think it's kind of shaped up to how we thought. I told you I thought the Raptors were going to take it in the East, and they got that opportunity. Uh, now that we're moving towards that, I'm not so sure that the Raptors can take down Milwaukee. This team looks uh, extremely unstoppable, at least in their opponents that they have to face through their conference. I think Chris Middleton will see him square in on Kawhi and lock him down as much as you can. Yeah, I'll, I'll preface that. You can't shut him down, but limit him. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, but watching that game seven, it kind of alarmed me that Toronto had no one else to go to. No one else wanted the ball even. No one wanted yeah. it. I think that it's going to be Milwaukee in six, I think is kind of what I've decided. I don't, okay. I, I don't think it ends up being a complete runaway series there. It's... Kawhi is just in his bag right now, and Siakam's backing him up with it. You know, you're having great defensive performances from Kyle Lowry, which you don't usually see. It's you're having all the, the chips fall the right way with Toronto. I just don't know that it's enough to stop the Bucks. On the other side of things, I feel like Golden State's about to run Portland out of the goddamn gym, run him out of the gym. I'd agree. And just to touch briefly on the reason I think the Bucks are a strong play here, Milwaukee, I think, has lost back-to-back -back games only once throughout the whole regular season and playoffs. They're just a team that's able to make those adjustments internally from the coaching and player standpoint. I just don't see a way that Toronto's able to put together enough wins in a row uh, unless they're able to steal game one, which could open it up. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of firepower there. Um, uh, the flip side, Golden State had a little bit more rest here than Portland. Portland's coming off, you know, seven straight grueling games, I'd say. Those were all fantastic games. Uh, one of them went to four OTs, so that's, <laughs> you know, a lot of extra basketball to play. And even without Kevin Durant, this team just makes it look effortless. And if you watched that Toronto-Philadelphia series and how tough it was for each team to close out down the stretch, I think it allows you to appreciate what Golden State has done over these last few years. Because, J-Mac, correct me if I'm wrong, but has there been a better team in the clutch or closing out games than Golden State? I mean, you just feel every time they're a little bit behind or need to hit a big shot, they're able to do that in almost an effortless way. I agree. I, I think that people don't like talking about the fact that the Warriors won a championship without Kevin Durant. People that don't like Kevin Durant don't like talking about that, but that's very much yep. true. And so I don't understand exactly. I mean, they're not, this is not, definitely not as strong of a team, but I've been saying it 
for years at this point since I bet on on Golden State in Vegas to win the championship in 2013, the following year in 2014, which is the first year they won. I've been yep. saying don't bet against this team until they give you a reason to bet against them, and they have not done that. And everybody wants to talk about this Houston series like it was this great series. It was a 4-2 series. It was boring as shit. And it's it doesn't really... I just don't see any... I agree with you. I think this is the greatest dynasty there is, with or without Kevin Durant. And with Kevin Durant, who's probably a top 10 player that we're looking at right now, top 10 player of all time, and he's not even done with his career yet. He's not even done with his prime. Even without him, that team is still really damn good. And with him, they're going to be even more solid. Now, I did hear Steve Kerr say today that he hasn't... He's still experiencing some pain, but I don't see them even considering putting him in this series unless they're down like 2-1. I'd agree with that. I think they're going to take advantage tonight, go up one nothing. I think the obvious goal for them would to be to win the first two games at home for more reasons than the obvious to win the series from the standpoint of you feel comfortable leaving Kevin Durant maybe at home to rest to get better if you're up 2-0 in the series. Why push, to, Why push it? Why push it? Exactly. You understand, you know, what's at hand here. And I think this is a series, though, where we could see DeMarcus Cousins be, you know, a bigger loss than he has been in previous series. Just from the standpoint of the area you would look to exploit Portland is down low with their injuries. It would have been nice to see DeMarcus Cousins take advantage of that here. Uh, but, you know, they've lost two All-Stars and they're still they're still humming. I think it speaks to how, how much of a talent Clay Thompson is who has been lost in this shuffle without Kevin Durant or with Kevin Durant on the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their first championship, they had a player in Harrison Barnes who played a great role for them that they needed, and Kevin Durant elevated that. Correct. But since, since that time, Steph and Clay they've matured. Draymond is still Draymond. I, I'm not a huge fan of his, but this team has too much experience I think that there's a staggering number out there. I don't have the exact one of the team with more playoff experience has won something of 80% of the previous NBA matchups in the conference finals, however far you want to date that back. And I think at this point in the season, it's just going to be too overwhelming over seven games for them to possibly lose with or without Durant. I agree with you. I think that's the, that's summed up very nicely. I don't think there's any other thing that really plays into that. The one thing I'll say about Draymond Green real quick you know, it really astonishes me that people don't like him. I mean, it's not like Chris Paul doesn't kick people in the dick, too. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. What are we talking about? The one thing that uh, you had mentioned to me before we move on from this, that you had mentioned to me the other day, or you asked me, you were like, what is going on with, why Why is nobody freaking out, or why is everybody freaking out about this Kevin Durant thing, whenever he had strained his, his, uh, right. his calf? Yeah, calf. his calf. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, I answered with two words, recency bias, because people always want to talk about the most recent thing, and they want to see the Warriors get smashed because they haven't been smashed at all in five years. And people want to root against it. I deal with it all the time. But the realisticness of it says that they don't need Kevin Durant necessarily to win. It's extremely helpful, and it significantly increases their chances, but they don't need him to win games. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and so we got Golden State advancing. J-Mac, I did want to get a firm prediction from you. Milwaukee or Toronto? Oh, uh, Milwaukee in six games. Okay. And I think Golden State in six games as well. 
Okay. Okay. So we got we got Golden State Milwaukee advancing. Of course, we'll get our predictions on that matchup if it comes to fruition. Uh, but yeah, we we both agree there. Number one seeds that may seem a little a little obvious, but it, that's the way the NBA is structured right now. Top top teams advancing. No doubt about it. So let's stay in the NBA since we're there now. Talk to me about your feelings on the Lakers hiring Frank Vogel. I don't understand it. I, I, I truly don't. It First of all, you don't understand a team that's interviewing Ty Lue and taking that seriously either. So who's running the ship? Obviously, Magic left. We don't really have a firm grasp. It really does seem like LeBron's heading that up. Uh, but there's no way that you hire a coach that LeBron doesn't approve of at this point. Sure. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So what what a part of Frank Vogel's past. I mean, what, he spent two years at two different NBA teams and been let go by both. I, I just don't understand this move. Is there anything that I'm missing that on the obvious side? Because it, it doesn't add up on paper. It, it does not add up on paper. You are correct. The thing about it is this is the David Blatt thing. So they no. brought in David Blatt, who's an elite coach, and he couldn't work with LeBron. And, I mean, LeBron ended up just ignoring him, which, to an extent, I kind of get. Like, I don't really hate that. I mean, he's a top 10 player of all time. I mean, he can... I don't know. I don't really agree with how he's acted ever as, as far as back as whenever he came back to Cleveland, as far as how he just demands to play with veteran superstars. And yep. also, in a way, again, I kind of get, but I really don't like how he's treated the Lakers overall as just going in there and acting like, oh, well, I'm LeBron James, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Because guess where it's landing them? Right in the situation that they're in right now. And yep. the craziest part about this whole coaching story is the fact that Jason Kidd has been such a sticking point. And so there are two things that happen with the Ty Lue thing. Number one, he wanted five years, which is a pretty standard NBA contract for a coach. They wanted to give him three. <laughs> Why would you not just give him five? You're the fucking Lakers. Yeah, the, the money can't be a concern. You can't sell me on the fact that money is your concern there. Correct. You're talking about two years. And these contracts don't mean uh, mean shit anyway. They can void The team can void it at any time, so they don't give a shit. So we're really going to... It feels like there was more going on there. So the second part about it is this whole Jason Kidd thing and how Jason Kidd is now the assistant coach to Frank Vogel, but they were insistent that Jason Kidd be Ty Lue's main assistant. And he said no. And I don't know why they think that Jason Kidd is this, other than the fact that he gets along with LeBron very well and they played on the Olympic team together and all that, I don't yep. understand why he should be any kind of linchpin in this whole process. And now that it's all coming out that the reason they don't want to just make Jason Kidd the head coach, which seems to make sense in that case, is because of this whole domestic violence thing that happened in 2014. And... That's going to be their excuse. He's landed two head coaching jobs since then. Yep. So I don't it, understand that. I, I don't either. And the NBA coaching tree necessarily, or however you want to refer to it, is interesting in its own right because you don't really see these elite coaches move. I mean, Steve Kerr's going to probably be at Golden State till he retires. Sure. Greg Popovich is a lifetime spur. Rick Carlisle spent his, you know, latter, you know, his better years in Dallas. I mean, you just don't see these coaches become available. And I'm not – it's weird to see coaches not want to work with LeBron. And I think that's what we saw here is people who were available, who are maybe better qualified or a you know better NBA coach, looked at this and go, this is career suicide. 
None of these coaches last. All of his guys are one to two years and they get fired because the first cop out to any bad start or bad season with LeBron, oh, it's the coaching. Sure. Every time. It's just become a trend. So I don't think any coach who wanted to have a career, you know, and that's the problem with these head coaches. If you do have a, you know, a bad situation that goes stale, sometimes it takes a couple of years to get that opportunity again. So I don't think people are willing to risk it. I also don't think that there's a, I, I wouldn't put this past the Lakers, this scenario. I would not put it past them if they believe that they were going to go after and had the chance of landing Kyrie this summer. And whenever huh. you look at Kyrie, and LeBron and Ty Lue, you might start to think, hey, we may not want to run this back again because that's what we did in Cleveland and it didn't work. So I can understand the Frank Vogel thing from that point of view. Sure. But on the other side of that, I don't. Th- I still think there's probably a 45 to 50% chance that Kyrie is back in Boston. I know that sounds wild, but I don't think that it's out of, out of the question by any means. Yeah, in Boston seemed to have some ill Boston fans seemed to not respond to him well in his performance. And it showed he didn't seem interested. Sure. But if you look at a situation where Boston does land Anthony Davis, they're one of the few teams that have the ammunition to do that. If he suddenly comes along, are you telling me Kyrie's not interested in joining up with I mean, can you imagine yeah. imagine if we had Milwaukee versus Boston? Same teams, but add Anthony Davis essentially to Boston. You take Tatum off that team, but you keep Brown. And at this point, Brown's probably better. Juice is better than than Tatum this year overall, I would say. I think he took a more significant step forward than Jason Tatum did. Yeah, it was an interesting year for Tatum. I, I would agree that it, you know after last year, we saw him have a fantastic series versus LeBron and it didn't work out. His stock was pretty high. So it's I'd be interested to see how they rank them internally. I think at the end of the day, Boston does have a soft spot for Tatum and see sees him growing a little bit more. So if there is a package that goes there, I'll be very intrigued on who that centerpiece is. Same, but it'll take less than people think. I can tell you that. Yep. That's yep. how it always It's goes. one year. You're only guaranteed one year. Correct. In which case, then that makes me weary of that whole thing. But you know what? We'll talk about free agency as we keep on going. Um you know, throughout the show and everything as we get a little bit closer. One so let me ask you this, as far as the Lakers go. I mean, you got Vogel, you got Jay Kidd. I mean, the the crazy part to me is it's not like they're just this isn't like a Coach Bud situation where he came in and knew what to do with the pieces. They got him most. He got he got all the pieces that he needed and knew how to make them work. He and and he's just kind of a overall. You know how it goes whenever you put a right. different coach in there. I mean, the Red Sox had that with Alex Cora after John Farrell. You just right. it was the same team. You just needed a little bit more voice in the room. And and so he came in and did that. It the Lakers aren't just a you know a coach whisperer away from being in contention. I would love to see J Kid try to come in and tell Lonzo Ball how to shoot. That's going to get wild. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're looking at a Lakers team that's in the you know draft lottery tonight with a two percent chance of getting the top pick. So this isn't a team that's a coach away by any stretch. Jason, I will freak the fuck out if they get that first pick. I will be so livid. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking about that, if you look at the top teams in that, we got what the top three is uh, the Knicks, Cleveland, and Phoenix, uh, followed by Chicago and Atlanta and Washington and New Orleans. You can probably limit it to those guys percentage-wise get the top pick. You know, the, those top three, the Knicks, Cleveland, and Phoenix, who would you prefer him to go to? 
Zion, uh, I'm sorry. I got a headline. Who would you prefer <laughs> the top pick to go to, assuming that Zion would be the pick and it wouldn't be traded away for Anthony Davis? This guy's been considered the number one pick for a year. I just don't even think we even have to say it anymore because he's just True. like it's just been understood. Uh, I think uh, so. Here's my deal with all three of those. So you've got New York, right? Yep. Somehow, I don't know how this is going to happen. They're either not going to get that pick, or if they do get that pick, they're going to fuck it up somehow. And we'll talk about the Knicks here in just a second because I want to talk more about that. Yep. Uh, if you're looking at what, New Orleans would be next? Um, Cleveland and Cleveland. Phoenix. Cleveland and Phoenix. Sorry, New Orleans after that. So Cleveland, I just feel like They've already gotten their once-in-a-lifetime superstar for the next little while. Let's spread them around the NBA a little bit, if we could. Yep. So, I don't hate it, but let's spread it around. And Phoenix, I mean, God. No, no. don't. If you're Phoenix, you almost have to think about trading it down, right? I, <sighs> You've got Aiton there. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think Zion, is he plays such a unique role. Um, you know, I think he did show kind of near the end of the year he's improving on his shooting. But, I mean, Devin Booker, Aiton, and Zion would be a heck of a show to put on a court. It is. It's it's a big lineup in a small ball world, though, would be the only thing. I, I don't disagree. And I'm going to tell you that this is just a gut feeling. This is nothing, and this is all ping pong balls or whatever they do. Sure. I don't know. For whatever reason, I've had a feeling that Chicago – Bulls land that that number one pick. I don't actually hate that take. I kind of get it. They're going to wig the hell out with it because they've got way too many pieces that they are not expected to deal with in that case. Well, uh, I mean, I you got Wendell Carter Jr. too, remember? Right. And I mean, they got a team very young marketing, you know, that allow him to just play the five. You know, you'd have a very athletic team that can really shoot the ball, allow him to drive. They, they do have players to dish to. I think it'd be a real fun team for him to end up on in a in a storied franchise for obvious reasons that I think would be really good for the sport. Sure. Yeah. I, I so, see that. I, I, I'm cheered for that. I don't want the Knicks. It it op- to your point, I think it could ruin a lot of things. They'll they'll mess it up. Just uh, let, I, I just I don't want to see that. Let's talk about this Knicks thing for a second. So I wrote a yeah. blog about this yesterday. I just and I've tried to stay quiet about this because I don't I just I feel like there are times where I'm the only one. Well, and I'm is like the collective like sure. us kind of thing. But like we're the only ones that see things clear as they actually are. And so like like this great example, the Paul George things last summer. Paul George was rumored all season before he even left Indiana when he was traded to OKC. He was going to the Lakers. That was a rental player. Absolutely, sign with the Lakers, done deal. Yep. It's in ink, invisible ink. It's done. It's going to happen. It was he never even visited with the fucking Lakers. Never even visited yep. with them. Signed a three year extension in OKC, which totally good with. This is the same type of thing though. The Knicks have never gotten it right. Never gotten it right. That is the most dysfunctional organization. I think I've ever seen, and I've seen some really dysfunctional organizations, and there are definitely some that give them the run, a run for their money, like Phoenix, for example, the Suns. Robert Sarver is a moron. Like The fact yep. that, that they've won as few games as they have with the amount of talent they have is a top-down problem that just doesn't cease. And it's just yep. an... Inst- I, I, I'm friends with a lot of Suns fans, and I hear 
the frustration all the time. But anyway, the Knicks have never gotten things right. They never do these things right. I don't understand why everybody all of a sudden thinks that Kevin Durant is going to sign there along with Kyrie and they're going to draft Zion. I don't understand why people think that. I don't either. And, you know, they, they obviously brought in Dennis Smith Jr. And their fans are looking at a pipe dream. Oh, we bring in Zion. We bring in KD. And suddenly they're one of the top teams in the East. It doesn't make sense. It, to your point, I think it's similar to that Paul George deal. It's more rumors and fans building this up. But, you know, I don't necessarily think that KD's leaving Golden State either. I mean, this dude is all about his legacy, all about bragging about how great he is with his burner accounts on Twitter. I don't think he necessarily wants to leave that Cush situation where they know that they'll run the West probably for another, what, three to five years at least with that core of Clay, Steph, and KD. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that logic either, and I don't – I think it largely depends on what happens this year. If they storm to the finals and win, I think there's a good chance that he leaves. But I, And simply because I think that he will want to go somewhere where he can make his own legacy, which I do get that to an extent. And there are very few places that, that could be that. And I get why people think it's the Knicks. They have max cap room for two players. They yep. have, you know, they have... A top they, pick coming in. Top pick coming in. They've got, I mean, they're New York City. They're the premier franchise of New York, believe it or not. And, you know, Madison Square Garden, the history, all this. But the problem ends up being that as soon as James Dolan opens his fucking mouth, assuming he can get the kazoo out of there, (laughs) he's going to run for the hills. And I just don't. And so what's going to end up happening is they're going to end up with some second rate superstar. And, you know, at that point, you fucked it all up, which is what they always do. So I don't I don't get this whole all of a sudden there's a bunch of faith in him siding with the Knicks. I understand how those pieces can line up, but I feel like that's just, he's made no mention of that whatsoever. Like, how could people possibly know if those are in his plans if he doesn't know? And maybe that's naive of me to think, but I just feel like I hear this constantly and it, and, and people talk about it like it's a foregone conclusion, like it's fucking done. And it's not done. No, it, it is far from done. Uh, I don't understand it either. And, I'm pretty intrigued, honestly, to see kind of where it ends up. That's for sure. It, it's going to be a fun summer, I think, more than what we've maybe seen in the past couple. NBA is always a fun summer. It's always dramatic, I but would say. This is a big one, though. Yeah. This is a oh. big one that's going to change the trajectory of a lot of franchises for the next 10 years. Oh, a- absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I'll be interested as well with DeMarcus Cousins, what he does. I, I wouldn't be shocked for him to go back in another one year to um, Golden State just do the fact he had I don't know where his value's at he didn't play that many games what no team's going to give him a, a max long-term deal just like no one was willing last year he doesn't have a clear injury history and he's loving his time there so if KD leaves I wouldn't be shocked to see DeMarcus maybe on another you know one or two year with an option for the second year type of a deal I, I agree with that I think that he's going to be back there because I, I think that he's getting to the point in his career where he's just way too injury prone. And we all knew that was going to happen just with his style of play. It just, we're getting there now. And so it's great for Golden State because they're going to be able to get him on the cheap, no problem. Yeah, and, and I'll agree. And, the, you know, big men in the NBA, when they have injury problems, for whatever reason, people think that those improve. And they don't. You don't no. improve. You don't get healthier with age as a big man. And it's the same reason I am not a Joel Embiid fan. The guy's had many injuries. 
His stock's probably as high as it can be. And if I'm Philadelphia this this offseason, you understand what you have and that you don't have enough to get to an NBA championship. I'm calling every team and seeing what I'll get for Joel Embiid. That's me personally, but I know that's not a popular opinion. So I disagree with that, actually. I think that Philly has to run that team back. I, I don't think you have much other choice. I think you try to re-sign Jimmy Butler. I think you try to re-sign Tobias Harris, and you've got to try to run it back because you've already decided that you're – so you're bringing Brett Brown back, which a lot of people didn't know if that would happen. I don't think yeah. that he necessarily should have taken – I agree with bringing him back. I don't have any problem with that. I mean, he sat through the entire process, man. He deserves, you know, some some time to make this team what he wants. And I, I think he does a fine job. I didn't see anything that indicated that they lost due to coaching. I think it's a weird team, and those pieces don't fit together quite right. But they seem to make it work. I mean, they uh, – yeah, it was a second-round exit, but in seven games against a very good Toronto team. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not fully sold that they'll be able to bring back Jimmy Butler. I'm not still sure what Ben Simmons is, considering he can't make a shot outside of eight feet. And I'm just not sold on the fact that Joel Embiid's healthy. I mean, the team could really go down a gutter real quick. Yeah, but the other night when he played like 45 minutes, he was absolutely gassed. Absolutely gassed. Oh, he was walking. Up. It was the worst 45 minutes. And that just, again, to my point, he's not well-conditioned. He's always hurt. He's never going to be in a situation to be able to play like that. And I'm sorry, if I've got a franchise guy and I can't play him 45 minutes in a game seven and get max effort, and I don't know if he's going to text me that morning saying that he might not play, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous and unacceptable. I agree with that. I, I, I'm with you. I get it. But at the same time, I just think I think Boston's another one of those examples where you're probably going to need to just run it back. I don't. I don't think that there's – I don't know, man. I think when you really start deconstructing parts like that on that team, it, both those teams, it gets really, really complicated. And yeah. the Sixers are an odd bunch. And, and to your point, you got to you have to figure out what to do with Ben Simmons in some way. He's afraid to take the shot. He doesn't need to be afraid to take the shot. But the only way to do that is to make him continue to do it. So That's true. I don't know, man. So what do you think of the Cavs hiring the Michigan coach? I think it's a bigger loss for college basketball. I mean, John Beeline, what an incredible, incredible coach for that. Uh, you know, he's always in the tournament, taking his teams deep. Uh, I think it's a bigger loss for college basketball than it is a game for the Cavaliers. Uh, certainly, you always want to test your game as a coach or theories at the highest level. So I understand his appeal. Obviously, getting compensated pretty darn well, <laughs> too, which never hurts, but – I mean, I don't think it's a story. The Cavs are ne not going to contend. I, I I can't even put a timeline on that because they don't have any pieces that put me into a position to say, hey, here's a timeline when they'll contend. Um, so, I, I mean, I can't imagine he's going to be around in three years. I mean, you just can't lose consistently and not be the cop-out as the coach. So, I, it's just an, it's not a story to me because they're not going to affect anything in the NBA anytime soon. Yeah, I, I think – Things change significantly if you get Zion, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You get you get Zion. You're then you certainly have the cap space if you're able to attract. Uh, you know, I, I don't know Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you know, Kawhi has no problem playing in a non-major market, and yeah, that'd be an interesting team. But uh, that's what I'm saying. But at this point in time, you know, they don't have the first overall pick. There's no rumors or thoughts that there's a major free agent going there. You're hanging your hat on Colin Sexton maybe being a point guard of the future. I just 
there's nothing there, and I'm not getting on a Kevin Love train. I mean, did he no. even play this year? I mean, uh, not really. Uh, if he did, not, it yeah. I mean, he, once they realized he wasn't going to be healthy enough before the trade deadline to get any value, you know, he, he didn't do anything. So it's a mood point to me until they give me a reason to get excited and talk about it. But, you know, this could be just as much of a Billy Donovan situation where there's a lot of hype there. And has that worked out? No. So right. I, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge component of college, great college coaches going to the NBA level. I mean, there's kind of a reason Coach K never made that leap. You know, a lot of being a great college coach is built into how you recruit uh, or pay players, however you want to look at that. Sure. But on that side, and it's a different animal at the NBA level. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I also think there's merit to trying something different than just recycling your typical Lionel Hollins. So I think that there's both sides of that coin are... It's a risk no matter what, and kind of to your point, if you're not going anywhere anytime soon, you may as well give it a shot and see what you got and see if maybe you oh. stumbled upon the, upon the next Brad Stevens because it can happen. I mean, Brad Stevens it, is a great it, example. It can, and it's the same deal kind of like with Jim Harbaugh, you know, in the NFL, you know, took took his game, got to the Super Bowl, the 49ers kind of fell flat in his face from there. But, you know, he always had a college job. He'll always have a college opportunity, same here. If it doesn't work out in Cleveland, there is not one or, you know, there's probably one or two college uh, teams that, you know, maybe wouldn't take his call, but he'll always be able to go back to that collegiate level. So I applaud him for taking that risk, take that jump, test it out, got to stroke that ego somehow. But I'm not sure the Cleveland franchise, unless they're able to land that pick tonight, was the team to do that. Boy, you want to you wanna talk about a locker room turning on somebody quick. That Jim Harbaugh thing was brutal. <laughs> that was that was less than ideal. That, less than ideal. That was a hell of a pivot really quickly because he had the team and then he didn't. <laughs> well, I think there was some uh, protests that maybe factored into that. That was before this. Well, I mean. That happened before it, that. Yeah, but you can't tell me that there wasn't actions going on in the locker room where he was. Besides the point, we don't have to deep dive into that, but. Yeah, there's, it's real hit or miss. There's either success stories or they fall flat on their face. There's rarely a middle ground with these with these type of situations. True, and and for the record, I think it was more that his temper tantrums and whatnot wore on veteran players who make millions and millions of dollars more than he does. So, I, I would agree more of what it was. Anywho, <laughs> enough Jim Harbaugh talk for today. Yeah, enough on that guy. We'll get to the khaki pants come come fall because I'm I'm a Michigan guy. If you do, you know, you, as you know, that's my yeah. my Big Ten team. But fuck, they're frustrating. So we'll we'll be talking about it. I can't wait to get to football season. Oh. What was it? I te- so did you wake up to my text this morning that just said I miss football? I did. You know, I went to bed <laughs> a little earlier last night trying to trying to get some sl- shut eye before the games tonight and. Yeah, it just it made me realize shit. We're not in football season. I mean, it feels like it. I'm locked into sports. You know, I'm fully stimulated with all of this. I'm like, wow, it's not football doing it. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it really. And usually, I don't feel that way because baseball's been uh, is so electric, and uh, it does help that the Red Sox are starting to win some games because I just feel like I haven't been that interested because they've kind of been stinky to start. So I feel like now that they're picking it up and putting their foot on the gas a little bit, you know, I feel like I'm getting back into baseball again. Well, you know, speaking of baseball, you know, MLB Network just showing the Reds, Cubs, Nick Senzel, sorry if I'm butchering that, top prospect, heard all of last year, got that call up, 
exciting time for baseball. We've seen him. The Brewers called up their top prospect. I'll fully butcher his name, so I'm not even going to attempt it on that front. But it's exciting after we get past that point where, you know, the it won't count as a year of participation. Uh, we we have these guys coming up, and uh, it's Keston Hirara is how I'll say it. Right. Who knows if that's right. But you know what? I uh, Today – So I picked him up in two leagues, well, one league in, in a dynasty league that we're participating in, and then I traded for him in another league because I was, uh, I guess, one minute behind. I blame Twitter for my notifications not being quick enough, but you know, this is a kid who's just mashing the baseball, 22 years old. You know, he comes in slashing, uh, you know, 33 batting average, 408 on base, 11 homers in 37 games at AAA, and uh, the Brewers have had an issue, obviously, with uh, Travis Shaw, they've experienced with him trying to play all over the diamond, mainly at second base. And I don't think he's adjusted to that position change, which has really hurt him and had an injury as well. So, you know, they're doing what great teams do. And I think, you know, they're in a position that we saw last year to win and they're bringing up their top prospect. They're not going to let a struggling veteran sit there and, you know, hurt the lineup. So, you know, you're seeing these kids in non-major markets come up and it's exciting. It's what really brings fans into it, I think. Yeah, I mean, this has been a great year for that. You've had Vlad come up, who's been terrible so far. You've had uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming up. You've had a lot of that stuff, and it's been great to watch. I agree. I think that part of baseball has been really fun. I have a hard time deciphering whether or not the average fan really cares about people like Fernando Tatis Jr. or Vlad or anything like that. I don't. It's hard for me to tell as I feel like I'm in a vacuum with this stuff all the time. Yeah, I'd agree, and it's tough. I think you have to rely on outlets, you know, maybe the common fan goes to, such as MLB Network or ESPN, and I think they do a great job of promoting these young kids coming up. And I think it's a great thing for these guys to follow along, and it's fun stories, you know, like Fernando Tati started off on the White Sox and got traded, so, you know, these White Sox fans are angry and talking about it. Um, I think that's a fun storyline to see when these guys were traded, 18 and 19 years old, and now being top prospects making these huge influences on teams so i'm not sure maybe the everyday you know non-everyday fan can follow it as closely but you know from our standpoint from all the baseball nerds out there it's exciting to us i love seeing these kids come up and make a major impact because it's hard sometimes to make that jump from playing in you know stadiums with less than five thousand people there and you know doing horse racing with random animals in the middle of nowhere usa minor leagues to these you know, yeah. national stadiums. I, I'm with you. I just feel like there's this, I don't know. You already know my, and I'm pretty sure we've already talked about on the show a little bit already, even baseball in general does a really poor job of marketing itself. And yep. we'll, we'll get into the mechanics of that another day, but it, it just makes me wonder for people that don't follow these kids that closely though, like, are they getting really that much exposed? Like I feel like Vlad has been right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that has a lot to do with his father, obviously a key name going to a franchise that his dad was with. And uh, again, to your point, players like Mike Trout are promoted how they should be in the non-major market team sometimes lack to get that exposure, but we've seen it now, uh, hopefully start to get a little bit better. And hopefully Vlad Jr. can pick it up because what what a name, what, what a way to, you know, cement yourself in, um, it's exciting. We've seen a shift, and it's great. So here's an interesting question. So in 
basketball. So I'll use Steph Curry as a great example. Okay. Steph Curry's son of a NBA, you know, a son of an NBA player, Del Curry. And so is his brother. And I feel like Steph gets looked down on because of that. I feel like it's one of those like, oh, he's just a spoiled kid of an NBA player type of thing. When I don't, I think that causes people to devalue him, even though he's incredibly valuable. I don't think people even realize how valuable he is and what all he does on the court. Would well, you agree I or think disagree? that stems from the common fan not connecting with them because sure. we do we do love an underdog story as America and fans. We love to see, you know, the kid come from nothing, you know, go to a mid-major like Davidson and succeed. So then sure. when we hear these stories and it's kind of the same thing with Nick Bosa, uh, the young man who got drafted out of Ohio State. Well, you know, his family's got that long line of athleticism. His brother's in the league already. We go, huh, I, you know, I don't feel as attached. Yeah. And I think with baseball, the biggest issue that I truly believe is with people connecting with these guys is the MLB draft is not a big deal. You know, how big is the NFL draft? It's major. It's all over. But the MLB drafts barely covered. Most people probably couldn't tell you even what month it's in, for God's sakes. Because a lot of these kids getting drafted, we're not going to see in the majors this year, probably 99% of them. And some of them you're not going to see for four-plus years. So it's just not – People don't rally around it because there's so many flops in that first round. There's so many kids that you're never going to hear or see of. So I don't think you're able to establish that early connection like you can with the NBA or, or so, NFL. So I agree with that, but that wasn't really my question. So what my question ends up being is that in baseball, I don't feel like you have that at all. And maybe a big part of it is probably what you were just talking about. But like everybody's been stoked as hell about Vlad Jr. No, despite, like I'm excited about Vlad Jr. And he plays on a team that's in a rival division or that's in my division on a rival team. So like I, it's one of those things like he's great. And part of his greatness is that he's just as talented as his dad, if not more so. But why does he get looked at as an absolute rock star? But Curry is underappreciated. Not just the media, it's the, the how they depict it all. And, yeah, I think baseball in general and specifically on Vlad, it's just a positive story, and, and they're not winning yet, and everyone likes to find a villain on a winning team. Sure. It's easy to hate Tom Brady. It's easy to hate Steph Curry if you're not a fan of that team because they're winning. You're like, ah, I hate that guy because he's always winning. It, it's a lazy take, but it's what people do. Oh, yeah. Max Kellerman's full of those kinds of takes. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yes, he is. Although he actually has been slightly, and I don't like to give him any credit whatsoever, but he's been kind of logical the last couple of big takes he's had. Well, I mean, it's, it's well, and that's just a product of him having such bad takes that when he just has not hor horrendous ones, it doesn't seem as bad. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a product of his own of his own doing there. Dude, and you and I have been frying people on Twitter for this for years, but it's like, I just don't get the whole, like, just try to make, speak a narrative into existence. Like, Max Kellerman's probably the worst about that, where he'll sit there and, oh, well, this is obviously the end of the Patriots dynasty. He's been saying that for 10 fucking years, and it never happens. And I get that there's logic to that in a way, but if you keep prattling off that take every single year to try to make yourself be able to turn around and say, oh, well, I said that this was going to happen. Yeah, but you were wrong the other nine, pal. Like, what are you fucking doing? 
Uh, you got to throw enough mud on the wall. Sometime it will stick. And that's kind of the, you know, what we see a lot of times it's unfortunate, but Hey, they got to fill, you know, a t- <laughs> they got to fill the airtime somehow. And, and that's how they, they, they take both sides of it. So then they can say they're right. That's what Stephen A. Smith, that's his, that's his strategy. I'll take both sides of the coin. So I can't be wrong on Monday. True. I, I'm, I'm with you there, but I guess that's why we do what we do. Cause we're not afraid to actually have takes. People may not agree with them, but that's their problem. Not mine. Well, it's speaking of takes, you know, I wrote a blog last week, Minnesota Twins in the fantastic start that they've had. And unfortunately, after I wrote that, Nelson Cruz has gotten a little banged up with an injury. But is this, I got to say, this has got to be the best story in baseball. I mean, the Indians have dominated this division. The Twins have sucked for a long time, maybe since the Metrodome almost. You could go back that far. And I wrote in the blog, they've sucked since Tom Kelly days even with Gardenhire and Johan and the divisions they won, they were never a threat to, you know, the Yankees or those teams back then. But, you know, Twins got the best record in uh, the AL. Um, this team's hot. They, they have more power than most teams. Jose Barrios looks like a bona fide star. And Miguel Sano's on a rehab assignment. If they can get Sano and Cruz back at the same time, you're in a lot of power center of that lineup. Is this a team you're taking? I'm biased. I think they're great. Or is this a team you're taking seriously? I need to see more. We haven't seen enough yet. I think, man, I've watched Jose Barrios for a long time. He crumbles in the second half of the season. He does it every year. So I want to see him push through that. And I'll be happy for him if he does. I would like to see this Twins team win. I think that they've been in the gutter for a very long time and just kind of forgotten about for no real reason whatsoever. But I still... Still think I need to see more. I don't think that we've seen enough yet. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. We're we're only halfway through May. There's certainly a lot of time to still go through, but I think the team is legit. If they can find a way to stay healthy, limit injuries, which is key in baseball, of course, across. But, you know, it's a team that can easily improve. Uh, that bullpen's a, a somewhat of a glaring hole, and if they can find a way to improve that, it could be a team that we're looking uh, in the playoffs if Cleveland doesn't get their act together, which I don't think they will, we could be talking about a central division champion. I can't believe that Cleveland has, or sorry, Cleveland Houston has a plus 76 run differential already. Unbelievable. Just. Bulldozing. I mean, they've been on a tear. I think they're nine and one over the last 10 games. They've scored just an ungodly amount of runs. And, and that's now with Jose Altuve hurt. And it speaks to the depth of their lineup. I love the Michael Brantley signing. He's had some injury-led years, but you put him in a corner outfielder spot. He's a left-handed power bat that should get you 20-plus home runs, doesn't strike out a lot, gets on bait. He's a professional hitter, which I think is kind of lost sometimes, and and, and it's what you need from players to win championships is to go up there not free-swinging like you see from, you know, guys like Rugnino Odor here in Texas, guys who can put together a professional-led bat and understand the situation. Yeah, I just, love this Houston lineup from top to bottom. I agree. Michael Brantley's just never stayed healthy. That'd be my biggest concern there. All right. For the last topic of the day, PGA Championship this weekend. Woo! You excited? I, I'm pumped. You know, we haven't had a major, obviously, since Tiger wore the green jacket at Augusta. Um, real quick, actually, before we go there real fast, I've got a real quick complaint. Um, the Byron Nelson is a piece of shit golf tournament. Oh, it is that course this year was horrendous. The leader like shot on a, like a kid course, right? The leader shot twenty four under. Yeah, and, I, I mean that the, the whole play there was those greens were easy. There was limited bunkers. I mean, you and I could have gone out. I mean, Tony Romo was in the field and didn't finish last. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, it, I'm it telling just, you. I and I've been out there as a, a spectator. It's horrible. It is a horrible fan experience. You're just, it's wide open, so you're standing in the sun with no trees, no shade right. whatsoever. In yeah, Texas in not May. Ideal. In Texas in May. That's terrible. All right. On with uh with PGA Tiger coming off the green jacket win. What do we got? Yeah, you know, I, I'm worried for Tiger fans here. The guy fantastic win. I'm not taking away from Augusta, but the guy hasn't played golf since then, which no one's really talking about. He's been sort of like on a a celebrity tour. You know, you win the Super Bowl, you do all the late night shows, you go make all these trips. And that's what we've seen Tiger doing, which is great. He should do that. He absolutely deserved. Sure. But anyone who thinks he's showing up and being in contention this week is lying to themselves. And the guy looks like he can barely walk right now. He He's not in condition to go out there and compete for another major championship. I'm absolutely fading Tiger this weekend. I have no hopes in him shooting below par. It, it's a fade situation for Tiger this week. I'm telling you right now, next week when we come back on here, you're going to – but she'll listen. Okay. I don't hate that take entirely. I think it's wrong, but I don't hate the take. I get where you, I 100% get where you're coming from, and I think that does make sense. I I don't see him competing this weekend either, though, ultimately. I, but I don't think it's for, a shape, uh, for the sake of the fact that he hasn't been playing golf. I just think that, kind of to your point, if he looks like he can't walk well, I mean, I don't think going out and playing is going to help him in between times, especially considering he had that spinal fusion surgery and whatnot. So, you know, that's that's a pretty big big thing. I, I'm surprised Are you surprised he's playing? I'm not surprised he's playing. It's a major championship and he's you know, the most recent one. You can't skip that. True. But I, I, I'm not going to say he if he can find a way to make the cut, then ti- Tiger's always dangerous. If he's there on the weekend, you can't ever count him out. But I am afraid of him getting off to a real bad start. I just don't know where he's at physically, and we'll see. But it's just tough for me to imagine that we're going to get him into contention again. Will he be in contention for another major in his career? Absolutely. But this is not a situation where I'm looking to get on this bandwagon. I wasn't on his bandwagon for the Masters. I'll be the first one to say that. I I thought he was extremely overhyped, but. For whatever reason, I don't know how he did it. Touche to him, and it's probably a lot of experience at Augusta, but this just isn't a situation I want to get behind him. And major news outside of Tiger was Justin Thomas withdrawing, and his game really fit this course extremely well. There's a lot of golf folks who were kind of disappointed. This looks like a great situation for him. Uh, So I think it really opens up the field. And, I mean, a name that's going to come up, and it's an obvious name, is Brooks Kepka. He's just consistent in majors. And it's a guy that's been there. He's got the pedigree. He's not – no one can really rattle that guy. And I think when we're looking at Sunday, I would if – if I'm competing, I'm hoping Brooks is somehow not there because that's a guy that I really think can line this up. And he's obviously one of the favorites. These majors always – you know, these guys – these top guys find themselves into contention on Sunday in majors. But I'm really looking for Brooks kept to step up, and I think Dustin Johnson could be due as well. I, I think, you know, he's only won one major in his career – his game does fit the course pretty well. So uh, I'm turning to Dustin uh, Johnson and Brooks Kepka this weekend, hoping one of them can, uh, you know, get, get, get to that uh, last grouping on Sunday afternoon. Can I make a wild prediction? Oh, please. That's what we're here for. Uh, I like Phil this weekend, actually. I think this, act- this course, Beth Page Black plays perfectly to his game. I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that. I, I'm just, 
I'm just done with Phil. It's like it's like a comedian that does the same stick all the time. I'm just kind of over him. Phil I, is I really think, a shifty guy. Yeah, I'm just I, you know what? It, it would make sense. It absolutely would. Because guess what? Tiger won the last major, and these two have been more competitive than any two athletes I can remember in any sport. And it's due to the real longevity of this because, you know, most guys aren't around 30-plus years in a sport. Yeah. Well, these two have, and they've gone back and forth their whole career where, yeah, if we're going to see a performance this weekend, Phil's motivated. If it feels motivated, Tiger won one. Well, I got to go win one now. Yeah. He can't. He can't be the last one of us to win a major. So, I mean, you obviously saw when those two went head to head on pay per view. The, these two want to compete. So, I would love to see Phil to be in contention just to kind of get that narrative back because he has slipped up a little bit lately with majors. But that'd be a fun storyline. I just don't see it. I was furious about that Tiger Phil match. Furious. Oh well, yeah, everyone who paid for it, then they made it free, then the app crashed. It was yeah. it was a hot match. Bleacher Report Live has done nothing but kind of, I would say, disappoint or fail me every time I try to use their platform. Well, here's a shot we took at them, so that just fired off. Come at us, Bleacher Report Live. That's Come right. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We're going to be back next week with another set of hot takes for your one-stop shop of all things sports. Perpetually correct. So we want to thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next week. Keep it PC. Keep it PC.